This is the RJ Metrics Buddy Time Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Moore. Every episode of this podcast features another RJ Metrics team member sharing things you might not find out about them hanging around the water cooler. I want to extend a big thanks to Alex Klieger. His Softball Diaries podcast is awesome and is the inspiration for this one. And with all that said, let's meet this episode's buddy. All right, here we are. Uh, my guest today, why don't you tell me your name, the department you work in, and how long you've been here at RJ Metrics. My name is Matt Yusufer. I work in the customer success department, and I started in September, so I guess that's four months. Awesome. Uh, five months. Relative, relative yes. newbie to the RJ team. What's <laughs> yeah. your role within the CS department? Data warehouse analyst. What yeah. is that? It's <laughs> a good question. So data warehouse analyst is basically, uh, we make up the support team. So we get all the technical support requests and we solve them. Yeah, whether that's data discrepancies or connection issues. Um, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of things that we touch on. Awesome. That sounds like it covers a lot of areas uh, in the RJ universe. Can you maybe walk through like your typical day? What's it look like? You come in in the morning. What do you end up spending your time doing? Yeah, sure. So I actually... Uh, my role also, I've been doing some development work for the customer success team. All right. Uh, so, yeah, I'll get into that as part of my walkthrough. Yeah, totally. So, um, in the morning, I usually uh, put together a to-do list because mm-hmm. usually tickets come in overnight or somebody responds overnight, and um, it's good to just know exactly what I need to do for the day and kind of scope that out. So, I'll put together a to-do list, and then I will um, just go through it. I'll start with tickets for about two hours, mm-hmm. um, get through as many as I can, and then I try to devote about an hour a day to the development projects I've been working on. Uh, so currently the main one that I've been working on is, um, the, the goal is to get rid of connection duty, uh-huh. which uh, is a task that every data warehouse analyst spends about an hour a week on, or sorry, an hour a day on, uh, and that is we go through all of the emails that come in via Zendesk for clients that have broken connections and we uh-huh. reach out to them and reach out to the AMs. Oh, right, so we're proactively, our system has detected that something went wrong and we're proactively reaching out to try exactly. and fix it. Yeah. It's proactive, it's really good, mm-hmm. um, but it is kind of a time suck and it could be automated. Um, and it's it's something that we have no control over. Uh, yeah. It's ultimately the client has to fix it. Yeah. So the idea is to get a notification on the top right-hand corner of the dashboard that tells you if you're uh, connection is broken or not. So nice. that way the client can see that and go in and fix it themselves. So this is actually a really interesting kind of moment in RJ Metrics history to be talking about you doing development work because we're doing a lot of work in between teams to try and like lower the barriers between teams and yeah. get a lot more collaboration <laughs> going. And it's this interesting situation where usually in the history of RJ, if we wanted to get something like this bill, we would uh, take it to the engineering team, uh, and we would spin up an engineering project and get that done. Uh, but the challenge is that we only have so many engineers, uh, mm-hmm. and the priorities of the relative teams aren't always completely aligned. The things that might save the CS team a ton of time, if you're choosing on the engineering team between that and building a new feature that's going to bring in new clients or that's going to make existing clients mm-hmm. even happier, uh, it can be a tough trade-off. So it might take a while for this thing to make it to the front if it makes it to the front at all. Definitely. So we're kind of in this moment where now we're thinking if we have talented people on other teams who can actually knock some of this stuff out, should we go and do that? And I'm kind of curious, uh, I think really your work here is the first substantive real work in the product code base that is likely to actually make it out to production at the end of the day. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about 
how that came to be. You're someone that's been here for four months. It's a little <laughs> bit of like throwing a monkey wrench into the whole, like the gears <laughs> that make RJ product development turn. And yet you pulled it off. You're in the middle of it. How did that happen? Uh, yeah, sure. So I guess um, I had already had some uh, web development experience. Uh, I, I lived in Vermont for six years. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, I built some websites for friends and you know local businesses and stuff and sort of had experience already doing that. Mm-hmm. And so I want to... Uh, my goal is to eventually be doing that, you know, as much as I can. Yeah. Uh, that's really what I want to do. Uh, maybe not even just web development, but, you know, application development, uh, development work in general. And um, so I've been very upfront about that uh, since I got here, yeah. about just where my goals are, and that's that's kind of the direction I want to be headed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, Xiao and Anita and Alex have all been really good about getting me uh, and sort of taking advantage of this this goal that I have. Mm-hmm in assigning me things that uh, would both help the CS team and help me uh, get some experience in what I really want to be doing. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, have you had a chance yet to collaborate with anybody on the engineering team uh, in doing some of this stuff? Uh, not outside of just code reviews. Yeah. Um, I've had two uh, kind of, I've, I've worked on two projects. The first one got canceled early on because Zendesk um, deprecated the core feature that I needed for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was code reviewed, and then the, this one that's ongoing is now being code reviewed too. So cool. that's the only real collaboration I've had, yeah. uh, which is, I mean, it's been really useful. I don't know if it's like true collaboration, but yeah. it's been really useful to hear some feedback. Who's doing the code reviews? Um, the first one was done by uh, Richard Clark, yeah. and the second one was done by Ben Garvey. Nice. Yeah. Great squad. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, cool. So you've got... Uh, you've kind of got this job that has a couple of pillars of responsibility then you're doing this engineering stuff there's also the the core uh, analyst part of the job that's kind of mm-hmm. the more traditional RJ analyst role can you talk a little bit about that workflow and you know what that experience is like yeah sure uh, yeah so the data warehouse analyst position is interesting because I uh, you know if an urgent request comes in it's sort of like I have to sort of drop what I'm doing and, and tend to that and if if a client comes in um you know if i've got a lot of tickets someday i I can't necessarily work on uh, my development projects so it's sort of wherever i have the free time Um, i've been really getting much better at managing my time and sort of setting client expectations and saying uh, you know i'll i'll get back to you uh, you know before this day and giving myself some some time some uh sort of a window for me to work on this stuff that i that i really want to be doing um so the workflow really day to day is like I try to batch everything. I'll try to do tickets for a couple hours, project for a couple hours, back to tickets. Um, and if some urgent ticket comes in in the middle of that project, sort of I've got to tend to that. Yeah. Is that um, you mentioned the to do list in the morning? Is that a new uh, innovation in your time management optimization, or uh, <laughs> yeah. how, do you, how do you how have you been evolving that? That's that's been interesting. I um, that's sort of just organically sort of happened as a necessity for me because yeah. I've got uh, so many things to, so many deadlines to keep in track, uh, mm-hmm. keep in mind. So, you know, if I say to a client, oh, I'll have this done for you before the end of the day on Wednesday and it's Monday, I have to remember that, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to Wednesday. Um, so I had, I've been using Emacs a lot for the oh, cool. last like couple years. I got yeah. into it because uh, I was trying to learn closure and stuff and um, I got into org mode recently and org mode has this whole like tasking system and you can you basically create these to-do lists and it's really easy and it's that's that's basically what i've been using it for nice yeah that's great um all right so it sounds like you've got a uh, a pretty action-packed day on the typical day <laughs> yeah. at work what happens when you go home from work what's your outside of uh, work life look like 
That's, uh, yeah, I've got, um, it's been really busy recently. I've been taking uh, classes at Temple. Oh, great. Um, what? Yeah, uh, I've been taking uh, two classes, artificial intelligence and text mining. Oh, nice. Um, are they within been, the computer science department, or do they have... Uh, computer science. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really, really cool, but uh, it's a lot more work than I anticipated, so it's been sort of uh, obliterating my free time, but uh, it's, it's been good. It's what I want to do, so, yeah. Both of those sound super interesting. For some reason, text mining is uh, sounding extra fascinating to me. <laughs> yeah. can, you, like, can you give me an example of like a homework project or something that you have in that area, or what a representative technological challenge would be that you'd solve in that course? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like, within the first couple of weeks, we built out a um, information retrieval application. Mm-hmm. Um, so you basically get some giant corpus of text with, uh, you know, at least a million words and try to tokenize it, which means split it on spaces, and then um, uh, lemmatization, which means uh, basically depluralize words so you can match them up. Oh, cool. Uh, things like that. How do you, are you, is there some kind of lookup table for the depluralization behavior or do you? I use a third party software for that part because uh-huh. <laughs> I think that's like a whole theory in and of itself. That's so cool. Um, basically what I ended up doing was um, the, all of Leo Tolstoy's novels added up to roughly a million words. So I just took those and tokenized it. And um, so basically well, you can use that to search the index. Mm-hmm. And it'll tell you, okay, which chapters is this word in, um, yeah. and you can use it for that. Really cool. Yeah. We, uh, we've done a couple of these like data-driven blog posts in the past where yeah. I've had to do projects like that where effectively you're tokenizing enormous libraries of text, and we've done it on tweets. And at one point, we got our hands on the raw underlying database behind Rap Genius. So we got basically oh, cool. every rap <laughs> lyric ever. Uh, and uh, I have no point to this story except to say that <laughs> if you want to do a hilarious like group by uh, count star order descending and yeah. <laughs> see things, do it on a database of rap lyrics. Oh, that's because a really cool idea. It is incredible uh, what uh, what words get used quite a bit in those. Yes, <laughs> that must have been. I saw a um, a visualization. I think it's been pretty famous since it came out, but it's basically um, the size of each rapper's vocabulary yes, on average. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and DMX was something like 300, 3,000 words or something. I don't yeah. even know what the range was. But he was like way lower and then yeah, something like... like uh, Eminem with the Wu-Tang Clan, I think, yeah. were like at the top. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool visualization. I love that. Yeah. Um, cool. So that, uh, uh, that and the artificial intelligence, AI, mm-hmm. you could probably get a PhD in it at this point. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> a single AI course, how do you, where do you start uh, and where do you get to? It's interesting. It's pretty open-ended uh-huh. uh, because there's... You know, like you said, there's there's no proven AI yeah. techniques out are there. Are these graduate level courses, or are there? Yeah, are, graduate okay, level. Yeah. There's no techniques out there that have worked, obviously, uh, to, to any like meaningful extent. Yeah. So um, it's basically all of. The, I had an AIM chatbot in high school that would disagree with you. Yeah. But, uh. <laughs> that sounds cool, but um, I uh, basically we learn about all of the potential avenues you could go down to solve this uh-huh. AI problem. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, but aside from classwork, just to get back to like the normal yeah. routine. Um, when I'm outside of class, I'm not doing homework. I, we've been, my girlfriend and I have been trying to cook a lot more. Oh, cool. Um, so we've been, if I get home and we've got enough time, we'll try to put something together, mm-hmm. uh, focusing on getting enough groceries for the week so we can do that yeah. on a daily basis. And then, um, uh, yeah, just probably watch some TV or something. Yeah. Recently got a TV, so that's been a big change. Oh, wow. Were you, uh, was that a deliberate, you're an anti-TV person choice? No, it, honestly, I guess so. It was more I was in denial about uh, not being a TV person, uh-huh. <laughs> if that makes sense. Or uh, in denial about being a TV person. Um, I have, 
mean, I always watch TV. I just never had a TV. So uh-huh. I always figured that the living room, the feng shui would be thrown off by a TV being yeah. there because everybody would just be looking at that. Mm-hmm. But actually, we end up spending more time in the living room now anyway, and uh-huh. it's better. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Are you a, a cut-the-cord person? Do you have Comcast cable, or are you kind of synthesizing Netflix and Hulu and all that other stuff? Oh, we uh, just do Netflix and Hulu and that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Got a fire stick, actually, and was able to... Because apparently you can jailbreak those, which basically means you install uh, some application on it that can access the internet and you can watch anything. Oh, wow. So we did that. And there's, like... We haven't really explored what you can do with it, but you can, uh, like, watch live TV and Mm -hmm. things like that. You can do all kinds of stuff. Uh, Movies that are in theaters, apparently. I haven't verified that. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, So... uh, you mentioned cooking a little bit in your yeah. About Us page profile. It talks about your love for inordinately spicy <laughs> foods. Can I double click on that? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I just really like spicy food. I, um, I guess like it's not that I enjoy the the pain of it. It's more this like feeling of you get this like rush. You know, it's a it's a really yeah. good experience. You know, having spicy food. And um, I guess I, I've realized recently that uh, I guess maybe I've just come to terms with recently that I. Um, my body's not necessarily built for spicy food. <laughs> you feel the consequences to, <laughs> yes, exactly. once in a while? Yeah. As opposed to somebody from like Southeast Asia or something might be more uh, well-equipped. Uh-huh. Um, but I still power through it, and I, you know, I love spicy food. Yeah. Uh, is there a particular genre of... You kind of go on... There, there's the like wasabi, horseradishy side. There's the Tabasco or like you mm. know spicy peppers kind of side. I guess spicy peppers. Yeah. Yeah, there's all things, all types of things you can do with it. You know, if you put a jalapeno in something, it's going to be different than if you put a habanero in something. Yeah. And, um, yeah, wasabi is a whole other level that I, I don't really mess with that at all. Uh-huh. I stay away from wasabi. But, um, yeah, I, I prefer pepper-oriented spices, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. So I, I want to spend a little bit of time uh, talking about Vermont, but maybe even yeah. before Vermont... Uh, you and I have something in common, which is we both grew up in New Jersey. Is that right? Oh, yes, I did. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your Jersey roots? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I um, I grew up in Princeton, right outside Princeton. Yeah. Um, so people who are from Princeton kind of get mad at me for saying that. I grew Princeton up in Mon- Junction, West Windsor? In Montgomery. Montgomery. Yeah. yeah, so about 20 minutes outside, so I don't know if that really counts. But it was exactly between New York and Philadelphia, kind of the midpoint there. Oh, cool. Was where yeah. I was, yeah. So about 45 minutes from both. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, it was a good experience. Cool. Um, Did you go to uh, high school out there? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I grew up there. I was born there, and I left for college. Oh, nice. So that whole window of time, I was in uh, right outside of Princeton. Cool. What uh, What did your parents do that kind of landed you there? My mom works for Trish and Dwight. Oh, cool. And they, are head, they make um, like Arm & Hammer products. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, you know, most people know that, but a lot of people don't. And um, uh, so they're headquartered right in Princeton. Oh, gotcha. Or they were. I think they recently moved to Ewing. Uh-huh. But um, they're right there. Ewing, so home of TCNJ. Yes, exactly. <laughs> great, great spot. Yeah. Um, I think I think Rohan went to TCNJ. Speaking yeah, of, we yeah. were just talking about Rohan before we hit record. <laughs> uh, and his, his, he's destined for greatness on this podcast. Yes. Um, cool. Uh, and is your mom still there in uh, in Jersey? No, no. She actually moved up to a position at seventh generation in Burlington. Oh, cool. Where I went to school. So I went to school in Burlington, Vermont. Oh, great. And they sort of followed me up there about two years after I had left. Nice. And they both got jobs there. And now they're still up there and I'm back down here so <laughs> that's yeah. great how do you think they're going to make their way back down here or uh, no. they're pretty settled up no, there no they're settled up there uh, they both went to St. Michael's College which is in Winooski which is why I went to uh, University of Vermont okay. ultimately um, so they always knew they were going to retire up there yeah t- talk to me about that college process where uh 
it sounds like okay. So your parents had a little bit of a background yeah. in Vermont. They had some bias toward Vermont, maybe. Yeah. Uh, how how many colleges did you consider, or was it kind of like just your destiny that you were going to end up there at UVT? No, I uh, I considered a lot of colleges. Yeah. Uh, well, not a lot. I considered probably like five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them were similar to University of Vermont, and that they were like small liberal arts schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, University of Vermont's not that small. It's like 9,000 kids, but yeah. um, sort of that type of uh, demographic. And if I would go back, I would probably look at more city schools. I think that's really where I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, I got into a few schools, and I had gotten into the University of Vermont as well. Mm-hmm. And they just um, gave, gave it a really good review. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they both really like Vermont, and I visited, and I really liked it too, so gotcha. I ended up up there. Yeah. Is... Uh, um, Vermont, that's like Bernie Sanders country, right? Is oh, that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Big uh, time. Did you ever... So if someone's listening to this podcast in 20 years, currently there's a presidential election going on. Uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton are vying for the Democratic nomination. Uh, did It's a relatively small state, uh, and that's a, a mm-hmm. senator who's been there for many, many years. Did you ever oh, yeah. have any brush-ins with, uh, with the burn along your way? I never did. Uh, you know what? I, I wish I had now. Yeah. Um, but people that I know from Burlington, uh, when he... Uh, declared his candidacy. Uh, all these pictures came out of people who were standing next to him. Had met him when he was mayor. He was mayor of Burlington for a long time. Oh, okay, yeah. So he kind of was around town, and a lot of people knew him. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Had good things to say about him. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about University of Vermont. Is it uh, big school, small school? What's kind of the the campus life like? Yeah, it's it's a perfect size, and that it's like you always see new people, but you see your friends all the time. It's about nine thousand undergrad, thirteen thousand total. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, I enjoyed the size a lot. And the class sizes uh, were no more than probably 150. Oh, nice. Yeah. And is there, um, so you studied computer science and math there, is that right? Math with a minor in computer science. Math with a minor in yeah. computer science. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, is there an engineering school there, or was that within, those are departments within the liberal arts? Uh, no, there was an engineering school. Oh, awesome. I took cool. math through lib- uh, liberal arts, The it was College of Arts and Sciences. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Sure. Uh, probably halfway through my junior year, I realized I really wanted to go into computer science. Mm-hmm. And that turned out to be just enough time for me to get a minor in that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I took everything pretty much through the uh, College of Arts and Sciences, not the engineering school. Gotcha. Did you yeah. have any kind of senior thesis or senior project or anything like that? No, not really. Um, I was an art minor as well, so I had some interesting uh, kind of projects in my upper level art classes uh-huh. senior year but no like thesis or anything like that cool uh yeah. tell me about art uh, that's an <laughs> unexpected discovery did uh yeah <laughs> not always doesn't always dovetail well with computer science majors uh yeah. maybe that's my own bias i uh, <laughs> i can't uh you do not want to be my partner in uh win loser draw yeah um, yeah uh particular media that you like to use or you know no not really i was really into drawing mm-hmm. um painting was cool I don't know if I was ever really that good at it. If good, if you can be subjective enough about, uh, mm-hmm. or objective enough about being good at art. Um, but I really, my, the, I did this interesting project in my sculpture class, uh, where it was sort of fused my computer science interests and art. Where we, I used an Arduino to, uh, basically, you have two plants with an electrical charge, and you touch both, and it sort of plays a synthesizer based on your resistance. What? Yeah, yeah. So an Arduino. I had a friend yeah. that was a. Uh, Electrical engineer, so he kind of showed me how the circuit would work. <laughs> is is that resistance something that is defined by like your actual chemical composition as a human being, or was it affected by how much you squeeze the plant leaf on either yeah, side? Ultimately, I think it was how much you squeeze the plant. Yeah. Um, I wanted it to be like 
you know, each person would have a different pitch. Yeah. I thought that would have been really cool, but uh, it didn't really end up going there because basically how much pressure you put on it uh, would be how high it would go. Nice. Yeah, uh, but it was kind of cool. That is super, that, that's the kind of art I can get behind. Yeah. Uh, nerd art to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so um, you, uh, you've got math, you've got this computer science minor, you've got this art minor, you graduate. Uh, tell me about what you did next. Yeah, I started working at a place called dealer.com as an intern. A, um, I think it was a data warehouse intern. Is dealer.com related to uh, cars? Yes. Okay. Yes. Great. <laughs> yeah, they um, actually were, have been bought out twice in the last couple of years, but they were a company that made applications for car dealerships. Okay. Yeah, so websites, inventory, CRM, uh, they sort of did it all. Nice. Uh, they still do, but under a different name. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Or under a different department of Cox Automotive. Cox Automotive. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is that the same Cox that's like the giant cable oh, conglomerate? Yeah. yeah, a huge corporation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't really uh, live to see the transformation there, but uh, they got bought out by Cox right before I left. So it was nice. sort of, yeah, sort of a big changes were happening when I was leaving. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, so what does it mean to be a data warehouse analyst for dealer.com? Yeah, my position was data warehouse developer, and mm-hmm. I was a... Um, uh, basically building ETL processes for the internal analytics side. Sounds relevant. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so we um, basically used Talend and Java to write these ETL processes that would move data from all of our uh, internal source systems. Like mm-hmm. we had Salesforce, we had uh, an internal database, we had all these uh, auditing databases that we uh-huh. would want to put into this uh, data warehouse and we'd organize it and model it in a way that we could query off it. Yeah. Uh, you know, efficient way. Cool. Uh, what uh, what platform was the data warehouse? Originally, when I started, it was Infobright, uh-huh. MySQL, and uh, we migrated it probably halfway through my time there to um, Vertica. Nice. And that was big, and that was way better. I forgot <laughs> yeah. about Infobright. That's amazing. Yes. So we, when we for RJ Metrics before Redshift existed, we used MySQL as our data warehouse platform, but we had it. We had all these like crazy. We compiled it with these special parameters, and we ran on solid state drives. All these things to kind of like give it the ability to yeah. scale and be super proficient for the analytics use case. Nice. And I looked at Infobright time and time again, uh, and uh, I don't know if it was pricing or whatever else, but it, we were close to using that for a while, yeah. um, just to kind of kick MySQL in the pants uh, a little yeah. bit, but keep all the syntax. Um, it seems good on the surface, but I think uh, it's been years since I've used it, but from what I remember, it's there been were years. Of, That's the first time I've heard the name in five years. I mean, yeah. it sounds like they, I'm sure they've been laughed by the, the verticas and redshifts Exactly, the yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, so you're in Vermont, your parents are in Vermont, mm-hmm. you got a cool job in Vermont, and then something happens. What's uh, what's the progression that brings you down here? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't really know. I always wanted to move back down into this area, whether it was going to be New York or Philly or uh, somewhere completely different. Yep. And um, it just seemed right. It uh, seemed mm-hmm. like the right time. My girlfriend got a job at Dream, uh, which is a AmeriCorps uh, company in North Philly. Oh, cool. Uh, so what do they do? They... Um, Basically, it's a mentorship organization, so they assign kids to live up in those neighborhoods, uh, mentors, uh, whether that's uh, Temple students or UPenn or um, Drexel, all these colleges, kind of the kids volunteer to be mentors at Dream, and then they get assigned to be work with a, a kid, mm-hmm. and they do things with them. Uh, yeah, It could be anything from like bowling, or they do all kinds of outings, get-togethers. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That's really great. Uh, does she have a background in uh, being an awesome human being that makes the world better? <laughs> yeah, she does. She uh, was a mentor herself. For Dream is actually based in Vermont. So oh, okay. She was a mentor for Dream in Vermont, and now she works as a, 
a program director for Dreams, so she kind of has all these mentors that she assigns to people. Yeah. Um, but so she had a background doing that in Vermont, and then she also worked with kids in different capacities in Vermont. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's something that she's always uh, been interested in. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, a quick note to podcast listeners, if you hear some murmurs in the background here, uh, it is uh, late on Friday afternoon uh, as we're recording this thing. In addition to both of us enjoying some beers, uh, the adjacent conference room has some kind of sales training going on that's getting a little rowdy. So uh, enjoy uh, the sounds of Sean McAveney uh, screaming in addition to this this lovely conversation. Um, wow. So uh, your... Did you and your girlfriend move down here at the same time, or she mm-hmm. came down a couple months ahead of you? Or yeah, we moved down here in late August at awesome. the same time. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, uh, and it was it worked out really well because I um, saw this position and I you know really it looked great and I applied and it was perfect time. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Um, you are. I, I was at. Uh, there was a, There were some drinks last night at McGillan's uh, where a whole lot of the team uh, was out celebrating yeah. Tara and. Um, uh, I mentioned that I was interviewing you, and everybody immediately said, "Talk to him about drumming." Uh, so, <laughs> wow. uh, I'm very curious. Tell me about your uh, your drumming background, your your musical ties. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I used to play, like I still play the drums, I guess. But my uh, apartment—they're not set up in my apartment right now because I've got yeah. neighbors uh, on all sides, so it wouldn't work. So I hadn't really been drumming in Philadelphia, but in Vermont, I was drumming. Um, I was in a couple bands. Um, I was part of this. Uh, we called ourselves a, mu- a music collective called Fans of uh, Friends and Family, uh-huh. and we would sort of assign, uh, put together these shows with different bands, and then get local bands on the bill as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would be a part of those, and um, yeah, I've been playing drums since I was probably twelve. Cool. What's the, when the, you were in bands? Is there a genre that you tend to gravitate toward? Like, in high school, it was more like metal yeah. <laughs> type of stuff, uh, and in college, I don't know, more like rock indie rock type stuff mellow yeah. it out a little bit <laughs> uh what so i know very little about drumming yeah. uh, i was in a band in high school and it was uh uh all I did was rap. Uh, it, cool. was, it was a formative moment, but I'm, I'm uh, there's more video evidence of it than I would like. Um, <laughs> I am I, if I wanted to like geek out about drumming, if I really wanted to know like a layer deeper than the fact that you keep the rhythm and make awesome sounds with these sticks hitting these cylinders. Yeah. Uh, what's the next level deeper? Like, can you just say something super wonky about drumming uh, based on your, your deep knowledge? Jeez, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I have... My knowledge is more like experiential. Sure. Um, in terms of deep knowledge of drumming, I guess... Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I There's different uh, types of rhythms you can do instead uh-huh. of just like... Uh, you know, left, right, left, right. You could do different like paradiddles and get into all that. Um, paradiddles? Know. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard that word before in my life. Yeah, yeah. So that would be like uh, left, right, left, left, right, right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, right, left, right, right. That wow. would be the rhythm. Yeah. Um, I was never that good at that, but people can do that really, really fast. Uh-huh. And you can do some interesting things around the kit with that sort of rhythm. Cool. Um, I got into high school, I really got into double bass drumming. Uh, which I never got that great at, but uh, that's like a whole other uh-huh. skill set. <laughs> and is, that is figuring out, that's when you've got a bass drum at either foot? Uh... Yeah, well, I just had a double bass pedal, which is two pedals on the same bass drum. Oh, I see, Yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah. Cool. But you could have two bass drums. I just yeah. didn't have that uh, extravagant of a setup uh, when I was in high school. Yeah. Cool, all right, that passes the test. Paradiddles <laughs> and double bass drumming were exactly the kind of answer I was looking for yeah. there. Um, <laughs> Well, so do you have drummers that you look up to as 
your mentors or like the their work is stuff that you study in order to get better? Jeez, uh, when I was learning drumming, uh, my taste in music was centered around probably like Green Day and uh, Blink-182 and that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. I play along with that a lot. So yeah. I think that probably influenced me a lot more than I would like to admit because, yeah. you know, they, they're they not the most, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word. They're not the most... Uh, like timeless? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, timeless, but like they don't have as much finesse as uh-huh. like a jazz drummer would. I see, yeah. And so when I see jazz drummers play, it's like on a whole other level than mm-hmm. anything that I was ever able to play, and I wish I could play more like that. So in yeah. terms of jazz drummers I admire, these days I really like Joe Murillo. Uh, he's Dave Brubeck. Uh, he's, some of the stuff he does is really incredible, and um, uh, Buddy Rich, you know, Buddy classic. Rich. Classic. <laughs> classic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Joe Marillo in Rage Against the Machine, or am I thinking of somebody else? That might be someone else. Yeah. I think it's Tom Morello, maybe? That's the main yeah, guy? I don't Where know. Where am I Joe Morello from? That name is really familiar. Joe Morello. What was the name you just said? Joe Morello. Yeah, Joe Morello. I think so. Maybe, I, maybe I'm awesome mixing drummer. it up. Oh, okay. I just Googled him, and it says Joe Morello, drummer. Uh, <laughs> so there is no band association. He's just an amazing drummer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he played with Dave Brubeck for a long time. I think yeah. it was him. It was... No, yeah, I think it was him. Yeah, Tell totally is. That is, yeah. according to my uh, cheating on Google results here. Um, yeah. Awesome. Because um, I, I, one of the questions that I'm trying to build into the podcast, actually, mm-hmm. on this theme of mentors is, just broadly speaking, I ask this in interviews a lot, and I always find people's answers interesting. Who are your mentors in life? Uh, and are there people that you would point to as being kind of people you look up to and aspire to be like uh, as you continue to mature yeah that's a good question I, I don't know um, there have been people in my life that have uh, you know through one conversation or many conversations sort of yeah. shaped the way I look at things um, there was this one guy I lived in California for a summer because my friend from high school moved out there and his dad lives there and um, just I was sleeping over his house I woke up really early one morning and had this conversation with him where he um, was asking me about major and I said math and he's like what are you going to do with that I said I, I don't know. I heard you can go into like finance or something with that, but that's not necessarily something I would like to do, I don't think. And um, he, he just said, so you're a math major, but all the stuff that you know you can do with math you don't want to do. <laughs> it seems like a bad idea. And we were talking, and that was, um, I realized I really, uh, he suggested that I go into more computer science-oriented type of field, and mm-hmm. I realized that's what I really like to do. So that was sort of a, a formative moment. Um, sort of ongoing mentors, probably like, my parents, sure, a uh, big one, um, or big ones. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just yeah, various I mean, people in life. <laughs> the interesting thing, I've probably asked two hundred people that question, and yeah. <laughs> I have never gotten an answer that was like, "Oh, well, there's this guy uh, Jim Claiborne that uh, yeah. I've known my entire life, and he's everything I want to be, and I follow this guy around all the time, and I learn everything from him." And it's it really, it's very complex for a lot of people because mm-hmm. people change. Uh, yeah. And as like, if I look at who my mentors were in high school and around the people that I thought were, wow, if I can only be like these people, like I, I will be successful in life. And yeah. at that moment in time, picking up on selective attributes from them in order to better myself is, mm-hmm. is valuable. But five years later, perspectives have changed completely and mm-hmm. those attributes are now kind of just embedded and it's it's more about okay what's the what's the next logical person or do I care less about those attributes because I know more about myself uh, as yeah. a result of that and uh, I think it's it's always fascinating to see 
see to what extent people have like thought a lot about that or just kind of had the experience because <laughs> increasingly as I ask the question I think I realize that the answer to the question matters less uh, yeah. because people are formed there's no doubt that there's someone in everybody's life that shapes them and forms them it's just a question of how proactively they've thought about that that influence and impact yeah um, yeah, yeah I'm agree. working on that one there'll, yeah. be, there'll be something something coming along um uh I am pulling from your About Us page entry, uh, as I love to do. Um, you talk a little bit about your interest in space travel. Uh, <laughs> this is an interest of mine as well. Uh, I'll ask you a directed question, and then we can go crazy with it. But um, how do you feel about the privatization of space travel, like SpaceX? I think it's great. I think that's a really cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think it makes a lot more sense than it being... Uh, publicly run. I think that it has a lot more potential in the private sector and mm-hmm. there's a lot more opportunity for normal people who don't have 20-20 vision to yeah. be an astronaut. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, if your phone rings in five minutes and it's Elon Musk on the other end and he says, look, we've yeah. got the new Dragon capsule that can, that's got seating for humans uh, and the Falcon rocket's ready to go and we're pretty sure we're going to get you back safely. <laughs> Will you be the first astronaut that SpaceX sends into space? Uh, would you do it? Wow, that's, that's an interesting question. Am I alone? Yeah, you're alone. <laughs> totally alone. You're totally alone. I don't know. I think I imagine I'd be gone for like a really long time. Uh, yeah. Let's say uh, let's say eight days. Eight days. Oh, that's eight not days. That not long. bad. You're just going into like uh, it's not suborbital, but it's like yeah. you pretty much orbit the Earth. You're not going to the Moon or anything. You're just a human being, SpaceX put into space. Oh man, I think I'd have to do it. You yeah. do it. Yeah, I think I would have to do it. Uh, <laughs> what drives that? I don't know. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, just the feeling of going somewhere you've never been before kind of mm-hmm. ties into. Uh, the same instinct that you, somebody might want to travel around Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's why I, I added in Earth travel there as well. Cause yeah, I think totally. It sort of ties in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's just this uh, need to explore, you know, want to experience that. Yeah. I think experiencing zero Gs would be really fun. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely vomit profusely. Yes. <laughs> but it'd be okay. Yeah. Uh, when you think about space travel as a category, do you think more around like getting humans to Mars, getting humans beyond uh, the the realms that we have already been able to explore? Uh, and w- what really is the most exciting headline you could see tomorrow around an innovation in space travel? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Uh, yeah, maybe getting humans to other places. Um, honestly, the thing ex- that excites me most is learning more about things in space that we don't know anything about, like uh-huh. black holes, and yeah. we know a little bit about them, but we don't really know like what's going on in there type mm-hmm. of thing. Um, you know, just other places in space that we don't know about. Just yeah. the exploration piece. Totally. Because, uh, you know, until there's a place where humans could viably live, mm-hmm. it's hard to get excited about humans, you know, yeah. going there. <laughs> I always get blown away by the the sheer magnitude of the size of the universe. Like, if you yeah. give me a multiple choice test, I could have read an article an hour ago with all these numbers in it, and then you gave me a multiple choice test, and it was like, are there a million stars or a billion stars in the galaxy I'd say it's probably a million like a billion is yeah. pretty ridiculous <laughs> it's a billion and it's like are there a million galaxies or a billion galaxies it's like well it's probably a million it's like there's a billion of them yeah. um, no, it would just, numbers that high it's, it's yeah. un- unbelievable yeah. um, and <laughs> makes us all feel very small which I think is a good thing sometimes. yeah I think so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so earth travel then uh, where have you been what have you seen yeah sure so I've done some um road tripping around this country yeah um in college i went with a few people um to the south and Mm -hmm. to the west coast Uh, did a little trip doing that it was 
a lot of fun. We was went that to, connected to your California summer? No, that was different. Uh-huh. In California, I just went out there because um, I had a friend there, and that was another. I'd never been to California. I really yeah. wanted to go. Um, but the road tripping was much more spontaneous and less planned out. California, nice. I had a job lined up and everything, and uh, you know, I went out there with a purpose. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I've never done a, a legit road trip, like a multi-day road trip with a bunch of people in a car for the purposes of road tripping. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was what was the biggest surprise about it? Like, what was unexpected? Um, geez, uh, I guess that the South is um, a really interesting place. Um, not that that's that surprising. I had never been to the South. Um, I, I just, I guess in the north we don't, um, I guess we don't know as much about the south mm-hmm. <laughs> up here. So just finding out more about the south is really cool. It's really interesting. Great food. Yeah. Uh, it feels like you really get true American food there. Mm-hmm. Whereas up here we get like Italian food and oh, interesting. Or, sorry, what, down there. <laughs> yeah. What's a great example of true American food? I don't know, like fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> like barbecue. Uh-huh. All that stuff. It feels like really deeply rooted in mm-hmm. America as opposed to being influenced by. A totally different culture. Gotcha. What were? Yeah. Can you talk about your route? Did you start in Vermont and make your way down to the south, or were you? Yeah, home base? yeah. Yeah, start in Vermont. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, what states did you hit along the way? I sort of skipped through all of New England and yeah. went straight to probably New York. I think we stopped in for a night, and then we went to uh, Baltimore. Um, went to Asheville. We camped out in the Smoky Mountains. Uh-huh. Uh, went to Nashville. These, these destinations are all based on people yeah. that we knew that had moved oh, there. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it was kind so of like a visiting. surfing. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and made it as far as uh, Nashville and circled back through Kentucky. Cool. Yeah. Cool. It went on a whole, like, whiskey adventure, which is cool. Amazing. I say adventure because they give you a literal passport uh, right. into Kentucky. Where <laughs> you, get you, can, your, you get your stamps. Yeah, you can go to each distillery and, uh, you know, taste each whiskey and you get to stamp it off. Nice. <laughs> Sounds uh, sounds safe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great road trip fodder. Yes, <laughs> stopping at the distilleries. Uh, cool. Have you had a chance to do any international travel or uh, anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, I went to uh, Germany in high school. Cool. Uh, with uh, sort of a German exchange program. I was in German class. Do you class speak a little German? Yeah, I do. I took German for a long time. And um, do you speak a lot of German? Not a lot. Uh-huh. I couldn't say a lot. Um, but a little bit enough yeah. <laughs> yeah especially now I haven't spoken it in a long time but at that point I had taken German for a while and in the advanced German class uh, there was this opportunity to go on a German exchange so it was really fun we got to go over to Germany and stay with a family and then uh, that student came back and stayed with us and oh, you know, cool. the whole experience was so really interesting so you had a German student living uh, at your house for yes. a while yeah for about three weeks yeah nice yeah it was interesting <laughs> what was uh, his or her name Till Till Tillman yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you remember about Till? Uh, Till was uh, really into house music, and he <laughs> was uh, a really good, um, like, he could freestyle in German, oh, which wow. kind of blew all of us away. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I don't know. He was a, re- he was a partier. He mm-hmm. was, like, a really outgoing, fun guy to hang out with. <laughs> awesome. What yeah. city, when you were in Germany, what city were you in? Göttingen. Göttingen. Yeah. Where's that? What's the closest, it's like? Right in the middle. I, I don't know. I don't know the geography of Germany well enough to know. Do you remember where you flew into when you got there? I think we flew into Göttingen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Wait, no, maybe Hamburg, and then we uh, took a train in there. Yeah, I don't remember the exact route, but yeah. It's a pretty big city. It's not huge, but it's sizable. I have never been to Germany, and it is my number one. uh, I feel like Germany and I would get along. I'm big into uh, order and... uh, 
discipline and <laughs> all, of, all of the all of the pathetic uh, attributes yeah. of uh, my my OCDisms uh, and beer is don't tell well. too, and course. beer yes the holy trinity yeah. order discipline and beer yeah <laughs> uh, okay awesome uh, so what um, what am I not asking you about that I should be uh, what's the <laughs> what's the thing that uh, I ought to be tapping into here about you wow that's that's a good question um I don't know. We touched on a lot of major points. Um, because I, I haven't in Philadelphia yet, but I brewed my own beer for a while in oh, cool. Vermont. So I got really into that. Uh, it's kind of a, a black hole once you get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did about six batches, and they all came out okay. So nice. I want to get back into it at some point. How big is a batch? Um, about five and a half gallons. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of beer. Yeah. Well, beer is really big in Vermont, so I knew a lot of people um, that brewed it, and so I sort of got into it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a couple friends in Philadelphia that are sort of into it, too, so we actually just brewed a batch. Oh, cool. Uh, last week. So I guess I lied. I have done it in Philadelphia. Amazing. <laughs> uh, you will be greatly rewarded with high fives if you bring some in uh, I would love to, to yeah. the office. There, We have a couple of homebrewers <laughs> here. We've had a, a few folks uh, that have brought in, like... Uh, you know, these, uh, what do you call them? It's like a Growlers. big carafe. Growlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, always, like, so good that it makes me want to brew my own beer. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's not like, that hard. There's a certain freshness it. to it. Um, yeah. One time I got, as a Christmas gift, one of those Mr. Beer kits. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, It was quite, uh, uh, something Something didn't quite click. Uh, there's no carbonation. And yeah, just I think. Some, some grossness. <laughs> you can make good beer with those, but. I don't know. I think you'd have to be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am not. I yeah. have, uh, evidence suggests. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, go back to college real quick. Yeah, sure. Uh, I have this question that I ask everybody: um, if you could go back and you could retake one course that you mm-hmm. took while you were there, uh, what course would it be? Uh, just for learning, like I didn't get enough out of it. Or yeah, like, you uh, can pick your reason. Uh, you get to pick any course and, and kind of go back and, and retake it. Um, well, I guess, yeah, for fun, I would want to take that sculpture class again. That was yeah. really cool. I'd probably do a whole other set of sculptures. It was really fun because it was only seven kids in the class, so uh-huh. it was really small, and we got to know each other really well. It was cool. And um, just for learning, I would want to go back and take, retake my operating systems class uh, because I really it's something I'm really interested in, and I didn't get enough out of it the first time. Mm, gotcha. I didn't, um, it's sort of textbook. We didn't do any coding at all, so I think... If it had been supplemented with a little bit of coding, I would have learned a lot more. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I, uh, would be really cool. I just noticed you said there were only seven kids in that class. Yeah. <laughs> I still do this thing where I'm 32 years old and I'll be hanging out with another 32 year old and I'll be talking about them with my wife or somebody. They're like, yeah, he's a good kid. He's a good kid. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I still think of myself as a kid. Uh, and every, everyone that is my age is still a kid. Yeah. Uh, it's like the Sergeant Metrics team is a bunch of good kids. Yeah, I guess where does kid ends? There's yeah, no it, it, never, it never ends. Um, uh, who is your best friend? Oh, wow. That's, that's a really hard question. Um, I don't know. My best friend. I guess it changes. I guess I've got a few best friends from Burlington, mm-hmm. um, like a group that I hung out with a lot uh, for the whole time I lived there. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a, my freshman year, we were, I had a, on my floor, I met these two guys that we sort of knew each other all throughout college. Mm-hmm. And they both live in Brooklyn now, but oh, cool. I still say we're probably best friends. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, best friend is such a label, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it's I, tough. So. I, I ask everybody that question, <laughs> and it's like the... 
the honest answer, but also the cop-out answer is usually like my wife or my husband or, you know, my, my, my girlfriend or, or my parents, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is like totally legit and probably honest. Uh, yeah. But I'm always curious about like, if you think about those guys who are now in Brooklyn and what it is about your relationship, like how you forge that best friendship, like what, what were those moments or uh, those experiences that you shared that really made that so, so solid? That's a good question. I, I think we, um, we all had similar personalities, which is a good thing. Uh, on, on that floor freshman year, uh, it was pretty uh, hectic. Mm-hmm. It was sort of a, most of the dorms at UVM are riot proof, which means they sort of zigzag. Uh-huh. But this floor was built um, early on in the college's life cycle, so it was just a straight hallway. Uh-huh. And I got to know from experience what they mean by riot proof, because <laughs> it really does get a lot crazier with just the straight oh, wow. hallway. Yeah. So when you have all these guys living on the floor, it's just a lot of mayhem. Uh-huh. And so I think we were the three guys that sort of... Uh, didn't go as deep into that. Yeah, you were less uh, the slip and slide uh, that yeah. ran down the hallway was not. Yeah, exactly. Not down by you guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So we sort of bonded over that and um, just sort of ended up getting into this music collective that I was talking about. Oh, and yeah. Getting involved with all that, uh, did radio and stuff like that. So oh, we had cool. similar interests and similar goals. God, does UVM yeah. have a radio station? Yeah, yeah. We had uh, WRUV. Yeah, nice. I did it for one semester. I tried to join the radio station for. Uh, probably three times, and the third time I made it in. <laughs> nice. Does that mean, <laughs> were you a DJ? You had a show or something? Or? Yeah, I had a show. Oh, nice. Yeah. What was it called? It was called, um, oh, geez. I think I was just DJ Matt U or something. I couldn't think of a good DJ name. Yeah. Something I'll always regret. I still can't think of a good DJ name, but there's a better one out there. And my show was called um, uh, Theater in a Crowded Fire. Nice. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see what you're driving with. Yeah, that was a, it was a, uh, an allusion to a lyric from a song. I'm trying to remember the band. It was a song that I had heard back then. It wasn't a band I was that into. Uh-huh. I don't remember the band name. I wish I could give them credit for that. What was <laughs> on? Uh, what was on your show? What was like the, the genre? Oh, it, it, it went all over the place. Uh-huh. It was sort of whatever I was feeling that day, but it stuck. Uh, it kind of was centralized around like garage rock uh-huh. and sort of um, uh, that type of thing. Just sort of punk nice. and garage rock. Yeah. How how much of the content was the music you were playing versus like this is DJ Maddie you coming to you live on WBBM? Yeah. I wish I could have done more yeah. than that, more of that, um, but I really didn't. Occasionally, I'd see somebody I knew like passing by and try to bring him in for an interview or something. But, oh, nice, yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't like I did the weather. Uh-huh. That was I, my show just happened to overlap noon, which meant I had to do the news and the weather. Oh, cool. So there was a little bit of that, mm-hmm. but uh, it was mainly music. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> How is the weather in Vermont? Always snowing, I imagine. It's uh, during the school year. At least. Yeah, it, it is very, very cold and icy, but it gets hot in the summer. Nice. Yeah, so it kind of goes both ways. Cool. Um, one of the uh, great honors of being on the Buddy Time podcast is that you get to nominate someone else to be on the Buddy Time podcast. So there's two ways you become wow. a Buddy Timer. Uh, you can either be my buddy or uh, someone else can suggest you. Uh, I have uh, been delinquent on actually following up on this, but they're going to happen. They're going to happen. Matt Essling, I know you don't work here anymore. You're going to have a podcast. That voice is too good. Oh, he would be a great uh, one. Yeah. He'd be a great one. He'll, he'll, he'll come back. Yeah. Um, so if there was one Buddy Time podcast that you could hear that uh, hasn't been recorded yet, is there anybody here you think I should, should go to? Oh, man, this is predictable, but I, I think I have to say Rohan. All right. Rohan uh, yeah. has not been nominated yet. I've <laughs> really? given me my beautiful excuse that I need to. Yeah, uh, yeah he's, uh, I think he'd have a lot of good stuff to say. Amazing. Uh, all right. <laughs> he Heard and accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so um, 
With that all said, uh, oh, I have one more uh, wacky random question for you. Great. Which is, I'm always curious about, everybody's got their cell phone, it's a big part of our modern culture, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I've been amazed how many different answers I've gotten to this question. What's your number one app for like wasting time? Like if you are, like you need a dopamine rush and you just instinctively pull out your phone, what's the app that you tend to open first? Probably just the internet. And just go on a news site or Facebook or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I got into a few games over the years. Uh huh. Um, but now I'd say it's just I've deleted all those because it's kind of a time suck. It's very distracting. Yeah. Uh, so I've got. Do you remember a particular game that got out of hand? Um, there was this one where you paint with different colors that was really really cool. I'm trying uh-huh. to remember the name of it. Um, yeah, none of the like classic ones, like Candy Crush, I never got into. Everybody's yeah. really into that game. No, uh, no Farmville. No Farmville. Uh, Fruit Ninja. They sound cool. Fruit Ninja, actually, yeah. for a second there, I was into Fruit Ninja. Uh, Angry Birds, yeah. I, I did. I I've been there. was hopelessly into that game when it first came out. And um, yeah, that's probably it. Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, uh, I have really enjoyed uh, getting the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, this has been um, great. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the RJ Mitchell's Buddy Time Podcast, and we can't wait to hear your last uh, next time. Uh, Matt Yusufer, thank you so much for your time. Thank and, you. And uh, look forward to learning more about you here around RJ. Great. <laughs>